Welcome, everyone. This is our World of Lifting podcast. We are on episode 42. Special guest today, we have Zara Naibo. She's a IPL junior world champion in the 82.5 kilo class. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm doing wonderful. For sure. Thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, I'm so excited for this conversation. For sure. Um, I think everyone wants to know uh, your story. How did you get into powerlifting? Yeah, well, I started gymnastics when I was 11. And from gymnastics, I realized my body type wasn't really that of a gymnast. I have a very athletic build. And from there, I went into CrossFit and absolutely loved CrossFit. It was, I still do it on the side between powerlifting meets. And then that was, so I started gymnastics in 2012. And then from there, I was doing CrossFit about 2014-15. I started Olympic weightlifting in 2016. And that was so fun. I competed with an amazing team called Team Hercules out of Nanaimo in, um, on Vancouver Island. And then I made it, I qualified for the junior Canadian championships in Olympic weightlifting. And I couldn't make it because I hurt my back. And so from there, I went into bodybuilding. So basically, I've done everything. But from there, I went into bodybuilding in 2018. And powerlifting end of 2018, 2019. So I've been powerlifting only since 2019 at the beginning of the year. And now we're almost at the end of 2020. So that's, that's, the, that's the wild ride. I got into it basically just from CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting. Wow, so you did almost every type of lifting sport there is out there. Bodybuilding, CrossFit, <laughs> yeah. uh, Olympic weightlifting. You ever try strongman? Those, those types of- Actually, I haven't, but one of my good friends is one of the best strongmen in BC, if not Canada, here on Vancouver Island. And so he's been asking me to come train, so I might. Yeah, I mean, those, those movements are like, uh, it's weird, because if you ever pick up a sandbag, like, a, especially a heavy one, like all mm -hmm. the weight just shifts around, it's not like a regular barbell. But it's definitely a different experience. I mean, you seem to have a crazy yeah. resume of all the lifting sports. So. Yeah, I actually did a CrossFit competition in 19 back to back competition. So when I was competing, I got to watch them compete in strongman as well. Okay. Um, back uh, when you did gymnastics, you mentioned that uh, you didn't have the body type for it. What, what, is, what is the ideal body type for, gym, mm -hmm. for gymnasts? In my opinion, the ideal body type for gymnasts, which hopefully can shift at some point, but it's shorter. I'm 5'8" and most gymnasts are under 5'8", and just lean, just a body type of being lean, you know, bordering on skinny, but just a lean, lean athlete. I have, you know, just big muscles. You see incredible athletes like Simone Biles and amazing gymnasts, um, but they're still shorter than me and much leaner. 
And so to do backflips on the floor and backflips on the balance beam, like doing that sort of thing, landing on my ankles just wasn't safe. Okay. So being taller was, you were more injury prone? Is that what it is? I think it was not necessarily injury prone. It was that um, I just had longer levers to move around. And even on the bars, like jumping from the short bar to the high bar, it was just not, it just wasn't as easy to balance on these tiny little, little wooden bars. Yeah, that's the same with powerlifting, you know. If you have like longer femurs, obviously it's going to be a lot harder to squat. If you have longer arms, the bench press, your range of motion is going to be a lot more than someone, you know, that has, you know, half your arm size and benching way more. But, you know, I guess it's something we all have to adapt to, you know, where every body type is different. You know, we, we all been dealt, you know, a certain deck of cards. We got to, we got to learn to, to, you know, use it. Totally. Every, I love that in powerlifting, CrossFit, any sport that people are going to do, soccer, hockey, there's a body type for that sport that we've seen that works best at that specific sport. But if you love it and you have enough passion, I do believe you can get past that and you can do it anyways. Yeah, I mean, Usain Bolt uh, did not have the type, the body type to be a, like a top-level sprinter. You know, they said he was too tall, like mm -hmm. he was very slow getting off the, the, the starting blocks. But, you know, look at him now. A million gold medals in his resume. Look at him now. Yeah. I think his thing was like yeah. he was able to. And everyone knows his name. Yeah. Like I, his strides helped him out like midway through the race, I think. Like he was slow, but then after 50 meters, I think he just, what, what is his top speed? Like 30 miles an hour or something, something crazy something amazing yeah yeah it's uh, wonderful especially when when you can be in a sport that you feel really good about your body that's what I love it doesn't matter what sport you're in or if you're doing you know if you're the best at it it just matters that you're enjoying it and your body feel good yeah so this happens a lot to girls but um like, what was your, your parent or family reaction when you decided to commit yourself to a sport like lifting, like powerlifting? Mm -hmm. Well, what do you mean by the reaction? What type of reaction do you, do like, you think people like have? Um, a lot of times they'll, they'll, they'll try to like push them away from it. They'll, be, they'll try to restrict them. Oh, you know, girls shouldn't be doing this type of stuff. Or like, you know, like they'll like, oh, pick another sport to something like that. Has mm -hmm. that ever happened to you? Um, no, actually, I, I do hear what you're saying. I think that, I mean, my family has seen me do CrossFit. They saw me do weightlifting. They, they've been so supportive. Like when I was doing Olympic weightlifting, I didn't have my driver's license. I was only 15 and they had to drive me across town to my weightlifting practices like three times a week at night. And they have only ever been supportive of lifting. They've never once gone on that stereotypical women shouldn't lift weights women will get bulky that sort of just absolute bullshit mm -hmm. um but it definitely has been a stereotype and i agree with that and i think that now that more women are in the sport of powerlifting olympic weightlifting crossfit 
and just seeing strong women in sports in general that are aren't shying away from being muscular you see the beauty in that and not to say that women have to be beautiful in order to be good at sports but you do see that there's a sort of empowerment and just awe that goes into seeing incredible female athletes and so i think that having more female athletes in sports is going to stop parents from having that reaction because it's definitely damaging for young girls to hear that oh you shouldn't do that that's a guy's sport i don't agree with that at all i mean yeah look at the top powerless today most of them are stronger than a lot of guys like we're, we're talking oh about yeah steffi cohen uh who else is up there uh hunter i forgot her last name hunter something but she's deadlifting like amanda lawrence yeah amanda lawrence and that i mean i, I don't know milo Maybe it's because guys get insecure if they see a girl that's stronger than them. Um, maybe that's why, I'm not sure. Because, um, I mean, I've seen I that in controls. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's always gonna be those internet trolls, those, those patriarchal men. Um, I do think though that it has been conditioned into men to believe that they need to be stronger than women in order to have worth in the world, in order to be seen as, quote unquote masculine to have um, validity and just be valid as men, they have to somehow be stronger than women. And so when they see women lifting heavier than them, it just brings up this insecurity that we have put on men through societal pressure. And so I think that as a society, we have to shift that conversation into one, men don't have to be stronger than women physically or mentally. Men don't have to make more money than women in a relationship. These type of, you know, just patriarchal standards that we've created. I think that it's time that we all just take a step back from that and say, okay, you're human. You know, no matter your gender or non-gender binary, you get to be strong. And so hopefully in the year of 2020, we can start working towards that and just creating creating powerlifting and any any sport just to be for humans no matter you know where they fall on that gender spectrum yeah i mean that's what i like about powerlifting you know it's just lifting no politics mm. no no bullshit no nothing just picking up a barbell whether you can do it or not and you know no matter what you are no matter you you are you're male female whatever you identify as um and it's just, you know, it's a great, it's a great, great community. You know, everyone is, you know, out there cheering you on. You could be deadlifting 95 pounds or 800 pounds. If you start grinding, they will start screaming, get up, get up, get up. You know, they'll, you know, they want to see you succeed, obviously. And that's what I love about powerlifting. You know, that was my first exposure. Yeah. To yeah. I do think that, I mean, I do think that sports should be a bit political when it comes to um protecting human rights i think that that's important but i do enjoy that that it's not um that powerlifting is a safe place and i love how open they are to transgender lifters and just being open in general to just any human lifting i do love that about powerlifting and that's how i've always felt with the community as well has the powerlifting community been open to trans transgender athletes i know like there's been a little weird thing about the records or something right mm -hmm. like, i find that 
I will only go to powerlifting meets that are open to transgender lifters and any lifter. And I'm lucky that in Canada, we have the uh, Canadian Powerlifting League that I compete under. Um, and they have always welcomed transgender lifters into compete competitions. Um, I don't know, I haven't done enough research on it to know every every aspect of it, but I find that um, where some sports have been banning transgender lifters, um, powerlifting seems to be opening up their doors a little bit more. Obviously, people don't quote me on that right now, but I think that that's the, the aspect that I'm seeing of it. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I honestly don't care. You know, I think if you want to do this sport, you want to be dedicated to it. It's just whoever you are, you know, it's, it's just a great experience, you know, being able to strengthen your body and mind mm-hmm. through, through the iron, you know, and everyone just, you know, in the warm up room, it's like, there's no ego, you know, everyone's just, you know, makes like cracking jokes, you know, just, just having fun, you know, that's what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We talked about uh, before the podcast um, about eating disorders, especially in, um, uh, powerlifting and sports and whatnot. Um, what kind of eating disorder have you gone through in your life? Yeah, well, I think that in sports and dance and any, really any type of athletic association you're part of, eating disorders are very prevalent. And I'm really glad that they're becoming more normalized to talk about. So it also almost really started when I was in gymnastics. I mean, I've, I think I've, and I can joke about it now, um, but I think I've dabbled in like almost every eating disorder possible at this point. Um, but basically at the beginning, yeah, at the beginning of gymnastics, I being in a bigger body at that point and feeling like this is a sport that I want to commit time to. This is a sport that I really want to, I've always wanted to achieve success in sports and so whatever I've done I'm best at this and so in gymnastics I just started to restrict my food during the day and then I would binge eat at night which is very unhealthy and then going into CrossFit where every athlete at the top level is under 18% body fat on the female side and under 12% on the male side I had my body fat measured um, probably not the smartest idea looking back, but I had it measured and my body fat at that point was about 22%. And which is so normal and so healthy for a 15 year old girl, just in me, so incredibly healthy. And I thought it was just the worst. I was like, I have to get below 18%. And so from there, I became anorexic and I just stopped eating and I would eat maybe And at that point I was tracking my calories as well. So I would eat maybe a thousand calories, a thousand to 1500 calories a day while doing two CrossFit workouts a day, training, just doing everything I know that facial expression says it all. And then from there going into Olympic weightlifting where I was in a singlet for the first time, right? Lifting your singlet, feeling like, oh my gosh, I have stomach fat how get rid of this so I just need to, and then 
going in because you want to never actually feel and and just like contemplate like should I make myself throw this up and then I'd always be like darling like let's not let's actually like not throw up and so I would um Wait, um so from yeah so from CrossFit from eating you know only eight fifteen hundred calories a day going into bodybuilding where I needed to eat more um I would eat a lot of food and then go to the washroom and contemplate making myself throw up. And that was always like in the back of my head. And that's a very big bulimia tendency. That is bulimia as an eating disorder. Um, and then from there, starting powerlifting, I realized I couldn't continue on like that. And so I went to therapy and I had an incredible therapist and I worked through my eating disorder and then I started powerlifting and I actually hired the most incredible nutritionist. Her name is Maggie Morgan and she works out of Vancouver and she was like hands on my therapist or my uh, nutritionist. She was kind of like a therapist as well, but she was my nutritionist for a year from the beginning of 2020 or the middle, I guess I started with her in October of 2019. I believe, and then going into um, 2020, I was with her. Actually, my bad. I started with her at the beginning of 2019 until the end of 2019, and it was amazing. So um, in terms of the stigma with therapy, uh, I know a lot of people don't like to talk about their their, um, their mental health, um, especially guys, you know, it's like a guy thing. They're like, you know, you're depressed, you know, just be happy, you know, things like that. But uh, what, uh, what have you gained through, through seeing a therapist for your eating disorders? Mm-hmm. Um, it's been like the only thing that's helped me. It has been the most incredible, incredible money I've ever spent going to therapy. And I would say there is a in terms when if you go to therapy there's something wrong with you and I think that that's really important to let go of because going to therapy you're acknowledging that there's something you want to work on and understanding that you can change it and so going to therapy for my eating disorder and for depression and for anxiety and for family issues and everything therapy has been my savior and i would say to anybody that's contemplating going to therapy it is the best money you will ever spend so during therapy what is how what is done like are you just there to talk to them or like how do they how do they treat you per se Um, well, they don't treat me because I don't need to be treated. It's more of a, they, I do talk therapy. So okay. you go in and you talk to your therapist and usually it's an hour long session and you bring up everything that is on your mind or you feel like you can't 
process with other people in your lives or you need to have a confidential and safe place to just be human. And then they will sometimes give you coping skills and tips or they'll tell you, you know, it's unhealthy in a very kind way. And then you work through it because if you're going to therapy, you're realizing that there's something you want to either be better at or there's something you want to get rid of or there's something you want to work through. And so they're just there to guide you on that journey, really. Yeah, and I can't speak on these things because I've never had uh, a legit eating disorder, but I know a lot of people, especially in the fitness industry, they they like to be in denial of what, mm-hmm. what their issues are, especially like maybe in a squat and they're maybe they plateaued or something like they're stuck at 300 and like maybe their hips are rising too fast or maybe their their knees are caving too much and like something something wrong with their technique and sometimes you know they don't want to work on it they just they just want to work you know keep keep going higher in weight and they don't want to address the issue um taking it back to the mental health part i think it's very damaging if you bot keep bottling up stuff you know i would imagine mm-hmm. you know you know you I feel like, you know, talking to someone, you know, would be very beneficial. And, and as you said, it has helped you a good amount. And you said it's the most incredible money you've ever spent. Um, so uh, what would you say to the people that, you know, are, you know, they, they, they don't think therapy works? Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I would say that they're valid. I would say that there's so many different types of therapy. There's talk therapy, there's eye movement therapy, there's releasing energy in your body, there is, there's, and therapy can look different for everybody. Sometimes it's a walk in the forest. Sometimes it's sitting down with a trained mental health professional. And I would say that if you don't think that it works, you haven't found the right person or you haven't found the right modality. There's so many different types. I've been with probably five different therapists in the past five years and every single one of them have worked for me in that moment and sometimes outgrow therapists sometimes you realize you know what I'm actually ready to move on from this therapist and find another therapist and that's okay you don't have to be with your therapist forever I'm currently with a new therapist and I've been doing intense therapy for the past three weeks and you just have to, you know, shop around, find a therapist that works for you. So in your situation, what did you look for in a therapist? Mm -hmm. Well, at the beginning, I looked for one that um, specialized in eating disorders. And that is who I went with at the beginning. I found the lady that resonated with me the best, the person that I felt the most comfortable talking to. And then from there, um, it was really when I needed a therapist and I either didn't feel like going back to a new one. I would go on Google. Honestly, I would just go on Google. I would search in my city and then there's, you know, there's so many people and you just go through the top list and you find the people that you feel like you resonate the most with and you give them a phone call and you see if you like the sound of your, of their voice. You see if you feel like you can open up on that phone call. You see if it, feel like there's a can and then from there you can book a session usually they'll have like an intake form you can always see if you feel comfortable with that maybe it's time to find a new therapist 
And the only tip I have for people is when you go to therapy, make sure that they give you your um, rights and make sure that you know that it is all confidential and you go through that at the beginning because there's a few therapists who won't do that. And when you go to therapy, you need to know that it is completely confidential and that you have total rights to say whatever you want to say there. Okay, that's definitely interesting. So what 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 other issues can you run into if they if they decide not to be, go confidential? It's just like spreading bad information about you. Well, then they're not a fucking therapist if they're going to be uh, out there not being confidential. It means that they're not good therapists. Yeah, that's uh I mean, I would imagine in a therapy session like some like some crazy things are going to be said and, you know, Obviously, you don't want someone repeating that, you know, you want it to be like in a closed environment. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so and I you, think that that's a reason. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, I was just going to ask. Um, I was just like, going to say, I think that. <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you can go ahead. Well, I think that that's just like to finish off on that conversation. I think that that's a reason a lot of people don't go to therapy is because they think that it's a scam or they think that people are going to repeat what they say. And it's very important to state that when you're a therapist, when you're a trained counselor, you are legally not allowed to say anything that your patient has said unless they are going to harm themselves or harm people in in their vicinity okay so you said you dealt with a lot of uh, types of eating disorders so what advice do you have for someone that is dealing with these type of eating disorders and they feel like like there's no way out it is it's hard that's base. That's what I'll say is that for someone going through an eating disorder, you are going to feel mentally exhausted all the time because all you're thinking about is food. All you're thinking about is your next meal or the next meal you're going to have to restrict or the, the calories you're going to be counting or you're going to be going to bed hungry because you don't want to eat. And it is fucking exhausting. And so for people that are going through an eating disorder right now, I, I see you, I would say that I see you, I empathize with that struggle because you feel like you are never going to get out of it. And all I can say is that there is hope. It feels like it's hopeless. It feels like there's no way you are ever going to be happy with your body and with food again, but you can be with a lot of hard work and conscious thinking and finding help and really i would say you're not going to be able to heal your eating disorder alone you need people in your life that can help you and asking for help is not a sign of weakness and that is the biggest thing i had to learn because when i asked to go to therapy for the first time i was 15 i'm almost 19 so that was four and a bit years ago three and a bit years ago. And it is, 
scary to ask for help, but it will be the biggest thing you will be proud of looking back. Wow. That's, uh, wow. That's, that's crazy. I, I can't speak for that at all, but, um, yeah, thank you for saying that for, for those people. Like, take your advice guys. You're welcome. Anyway, um, going back to <laughs> yeah, powerlifting. Um, so you won, uh, the international powerlifting league, uh, junior world championships, right? Yes. So it was the international powerlifting league's drug tested world championships. So it wasn't just junior, but I was competing in the junior, um, 16 to 17 year old category. So take us through like the prep and, you know, the competition. So yeah. what's it like to prep for a meet that big? Oh my fucking God. It was, sorry. I hope you can swear on this podcast. Yeah, it fine. was Okay. It was a lot. It was, um, well, I started powerlifting just at the beginning of 2019 and I'd only done one competition. I, I, won my competition in June and um, was given a spot on Team Canada to go to Worlds. So I competed in June and then Worlds was in October. And so that was my second, that was my only, my second powerlifting meet was Worlds. And it was just insane. So I hired um, my, my coach at the time, I hired him in, um, I hired him in June right after, actually, no, I competed in May. Sorry. So I hired him the first week of June and we prepped for June, July, August, September. It was about a four and a half month prep. And that summer, like I was, you know, 17, wanted to have fun, but there was no, nothing outside of training. Like you, you get it. Like there's nothing you eat, you sleep and you train and that is it. And you train through injuries you get as much body help as possible, but if you, you're hurt, you're, you still got to train, like you have a prep to happen. And so it was just, I had my nutritionist and my coach and I had, um, some mental, some mental, um, strength stuff going on that I was working through as well. And it was just crazy. It's the, it's the most in-depth athletic prep I've ever done. And so about a three weeks out from worlds I hurt my hip I tweaked um yeah I tweaked my glute and my hip flexor and like seized up my back and I was just like I trained through it I went to Cairo and I just hoped for the best and it subsided thankfully and then um we flew to Ireland on October 22nd I believe my mom came with me and we went and then I competed on the 25th of October. So I had a few days to get used to the time change and get enough sleep. And I prepped so hard. Like I was only an athlete. There was no part of me that was human. I was only athlete. And the night before the competition, I will forever remember this because usually I get incredibly nervous. Like I can't sleep, I can't eat. I'm just constantly peeing. I'm drinking water. Like I'm just incredibly nervous. But that night before the competition, I slept 12 hours. Holy. I just, yeah, I know. Right. And I was just so comfortable and comfortable going into a competition, but I knew 
that I had left no stone unturned. Like I just knew that everything I had put in, I couldn't have done any more. Basically was what had come down to it. And so I slept so amazing. And then I had to be at the competition by, it was like 8 a.m. And so obviously up at like 6 a.m. getting my food prepped, all of that stuff. And then I got to the, okay, so I can't eat before I compete. Like I cannot eat. And so like I would choke down oats, just like taking a bite and then like try not to throw up because you're so nervous. And, And then competing, it was just incredible. I was there with Team Canada. Um, we were in the back room. And so do you want me to like detail my lifts? Cause I can, it's pretty exciting. I, I want to yeah, every detail, every detail. Okay. Okay. Thank God. So I, I was warming up and I actually, I started warming up and this other lady was there. Her name's Shelby and she was lifting in the same weight category as me and so we got to share a squat rack and she's incredible she's just amazing and so from there my first squat uh, i can't remember how much it was i think it was a 255 something like that pounds 255 pounds and then it just went up so easy just boom it was up and then my second attempt was easy as well and then my final attempt was 270 pounds And again, it just went up just so incredibly easily. And then I got to take rest after that. And I was meeting everybody. And I remember I went out to my rental car and I just laid in the back seat. Like my heart was beating so fast. And I was like, I'm here. I'm at a world championships. I just got three out of three on my squats. What is happening? And you know, when you're like, you start going in like a hamster wheel in your mind and you're like, oh my fucking God, I'm here. Oh my God, oh my God, how is this happening? Yeah. And so then like I had to calm myself down and bench like wasn't my, now it's my favorite lift, but back then I hated it. So I was like, let's just get through this. And I got, I don't think I PR'd. I did hit my, my best though. I like matched my best. And I think it was 155 pounds or 150 pounds, something like that. Open powerlifting says right here you hit 165.3. Okay, that's probably it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just playing myself down here. Uh, Yeah, it was probably 165.3. That sounds about right. And then it just went so well. And so right after bench, I left the competition with my mom. I was like, we need to go because I'm in the running to win. Like I'm in the running to win and I can't be here for another minute and stress myself out about it because I have to, like, I have to crush deadlifts. There's no other way but that, like, I just have to. And so we left and we went to this tiny little market and I got a muffin and it was just wonderful. And then I came back to the competition and I had my Team Canada jacket and it was, it's like one size too big for me. I purposely got it that way. So I could kind of like sink into it. And so I put on my hood, it's like this black Team Canada jacket. I put on my hood and I sat in the corner and I visualized my lifts and I visualized every, the three deadlifts I was going to do. I visualized the weight. I visualized how I was going to feel after it. I took my pre-workout. I started warming up. Um, I was warming up with Shelby and this other lady, this incredible lady, um, Christy Reese. And 
um, Chandler and we were warming up and I went out and I crushed my deadlift. I have never deadlifted better in my life. And that feeling when your heart is beating, adrenaline is going and you feel proud of the effort you put in on the platform, nothing is better. And so from there, and then that's where I, like, I met Helen was at Worlds. Helen Murphy is another incredible female junior athlete. And we were um, sitting together on the floor and I didn't know if Helen or I had won. I didn't know at that point. My coach wouldn't tell me. He was like, you know, you can find out. I was like, okay, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Like, I don't know what's happening. So Helen and I were sitting there and then my name was called. And my mom was in the audience and she's crying and I was almost crying. And then I got, and then this is the one thing that I had visualized every single day for that four and a half month prep. I had visualized, you know, in CrossFit, like when Matt Fraser wins, he always box jumps onto the box. Like he'll always run up and do a box jumps onto the podium. And so I had visualized for four and a half months myself getting that gold medal running up to the podium and box jumping onto top place. And that's what I did. And then Helen um, uh, got second and she came up as well. And just like looking out at the audience, like after winning was, it's, it's probably one of my favorite memories of my entire life at this point. Wow. That was a mouthful there, but. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thanks for letting me talk. For sure. I mean, you, so you said um, after your last deadlift, you did not know that you placed first. No. Don't the announcers say that though? Like if you placed first? Um, they might have. I didn't hear them. I had my earbuds in. I was not listening to anything. I don't think they, they didn't say it for anybody at that point. Wow. So, so when they were calling out like the pot, like, because I know during the, when they announced the podium, they go by third, second, and then first. So were you nervous when yeah. they were like calling out like the third, second, and then, and then first? Yeah. So you're like anticipating, oh, am I like, did I, yeah. did I not make it at all? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, because they called Helen. Oh yeah, that's true. They called Helen and then they called me and I was like, oh, because there was no, like, it was Helen and I in that um, category and there had been one other girl or there was something there was like three of us and I was like well I don't know if I even placed and then yeah when I got gold it was like my heart was beating out of my chest wow I mean let's talk about like the the last deadlift so you said you like to do a lot of visualization mm -hmm. right so but after you you step up to that bar is it aggression is it just like blank mind, like what, what, what do you do? Um, so I have a routine. I, I always, okay. So my friends and I, like, we always like to, to like joke around and being like bad bitches, like boss, bad bitches in the gym, right? Like you have to have like a certain amount of aggression and just be like, yeah, like I'm just going to be a boss bitch today. And so in lifting, I always like, I have a very specific deadlift song that I listen to right before I compete and it just like gets me in the zone. It's not necessarily aggression. It's more power. It's like there is power within me. There is power coming from another source. And I get to 
channel that power in a way. It sounds spiritual, but I'm just like, there's power within me. There's power in the world. And then it's a, it's a bit of a long story, but like my grandmother passed away three years ago and she's like my angel. And so I have a tattoo on my wrist that's her name. And so my deadlift, I listen to my song. I visualize it. I go out on the platform and before I lift, I put right my right on my left. And I think about my grandma and I'm like, she's giving me power. And then I go and I always lift it. I always get it. Wow. That is, that's crazy. I mean, that, I mean, I know people that are, um, they're religious and they, they like to call like, uh, I think they, they like get assistance from, from God. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, uh, I mean, um, I mean, I don't know, but like, obviously you were probably very close with your grandmother, but um, yeah, yeah, that probably like, I mean, the human body is insane. Like you, when you think you can lift it, like, just like, I mean, like you heard of the stories of like mothers lifting cars off of their child, right? Yeah. And like people that have never lifted a bar in their life and they're, and they're able to do that. And you're just, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you know, whatever God people believe in, they call him or her in. And I don't necessarily have a religious figure I look up to. Um, For me, it's my grandma, like she's my angel. And um, I specifically got this tattoo as like a reminder of the power that she had and I have and all women have and all humans have inside of them. And so it just really helps me when I compete to just like think of her and to think of all of the other women that have come before me that have done so much more than me. It's like, I can do this. I can lift this barbell. This is nothing. This is, you know, this is my something, but in the big picture, this is just like a little bit that I'm adding to the women empowerment movement. So after winning a meet this big, so you've gone through the training and all that, and it's only your second powerlifting meet ever. Like, so what would you say, um, is a unique aspect of powerlifting that isn't in any other sport? I would say that it's the audience, honestly. I find like the the people in the audience want you to succeed as much as you want to succeed. And I find that in all like, okay, so yes, all sports have incredible cheering sections. When you go to a football meet or a hockey game or anything like that it's very divided it's like I'm for this team I'm for this team we can't be friends when you go to a powerlifting meet and I even found that a little bit in Olympic weightlifting like it's a little like I'm cheering for this person I'm not really going to cheer for you I love the community nothing bad about the community but I found it a little still like I'm cheering for this person so I can't cheer you on in powerlifting you're there to cheer. Like you're obviously there to see one specific person, but you are going to scream your heart out for every person on the platform. And that is like what we talked about earlier is the community of powerlifting. And that is just, that is what I found to be different than any other community is like, it doesn't matter if you're a 90 year old man or a four-year-old girl that's there to see her older sister compete. It's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, I think in Olympic weightlifting, they um, obviously you see like people with uh, different country flags, um, especially in the Olympics. Like some, some will have like Russia flags, China flags, mm-hmm. like 
um yeah even it, but like yeah powerlifting you're right it's just like everyone's on the same team they're just like yeah you're right it's just it's just a overwhelming positive like atmosphere and and you kind of take in that energy too when you're nervous like i mean a lot of people are intimidated by powerlifting because you know all these you know big strong people you know grinding out like three times their body weight and they're like oh my god like how am i how am i going to fit in with these people and then you you go to a meet and then you like a lot of a lot of the top athletes you know they're like the coolest people ever yeah they don't have an ego they're just you know regular people but they're just world-class strength totally and that's you do feel intimidated around them and i actually i had that when i got back from worlds people were like oh like not like Zara's changed but they're they were more like intimidated around me I'm like hey I'm the same woman that like left for Ireland I'm the same person because they see it and they you know I mean sports is so revered and just honored in society that if you win something you're just like they automatically put you at the top where really it's like I'm just human like everybody else I just had a passion that I pursued and that's what you're going to find with any top athlete they know how much it takes to get there. So they don't have, some athletes do have egos, but most athletes are super chill. I mean, I, I would think it's pretty hard to, to have like be arrogant in powerlifting just because it's how demanding it is. It's going to humble you real quick. Like yeah. you said that you, um, you hurt, you injured your hip uh, mm-hmm. in training. And like that just shows, you know, like, almost anything can happen in powerlifting and, and you can't just yeah. like obviously like like sports like boxing or UFC that have like the trash talk thing I mean I think that's completely unnecessary but like powerlifting doesn't have that I mean it wouldn't make sense but like yeah the the prep like when you see an athlete on the top of the podium wearing that gold medal and and you're right they're like they revere them right they're like wow like no one no one ever sees the the bad days like the hard work, the 5 a.m. workouts, uh, the occasional injury, and just, just being able to fight through and just being able to, to, to you, know, you know, prove it on the platform. Powerlifting, you only have nine attempts, and each one you have to, to give it your all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no one sees the, the hard work that happens, like, basically in the dark, like at 5 a.m. in the morning at the gym by yourself, like, Maybe you have your music on, maybe you're pumping it up, but like your body is exhausted. I've had so many times, like I've literally just been crying in the gym. Like, I don't even want to be here. I'm exhausted. Like, why the fuck am I doing this? But you know, like, you know that there's a platform out there that you want to be standing on top of. And that's why you do it. I mean, that's why I do it. I want to be the best. And that's what got me to the top at Worlds. And I think like what you were saying about like, UFC fighting like they have like the trash talking and like that's part of their sport like that they're like that's the culture of that sport like powerlifting and they have so much work ethic and hard work as well there too and then like in powerlifting it's like the the part of our sport is like being humble and just really uplifting every single lifter even if they're lifting like you know the bar on their deadlifts like I think every sport has their own culture which is super cool I mean, being able to work that hard to, to get towards like, uh, like being, becoming a junior world champion, um, especially people like your age, my age. I mean, like a lot of kids like, like to party, like, like to drink, like to smoke. 
and a lot of them rather spend their spend their time doing that and you know sometimes people will ask me you know hey you know you want to go out drinking you want to go out you know go to go to a party and i'm like nah man i gotta wake up early tomorrow to train and they're like what and they just look at me weird mm-hmm. i'm just like I, I mean i gotta train you know i got i got, I gotta meet i gotta prep you know and you know it's just you know to each their own i'd rather you know train and get my muscle sore than drink and destroy my liver <laughs> you know yeah yeah it's um it's very interesting because like you're saying like you say no to so much so that you can say yes to so little like you're saying yes to the gym and to maybe a couple of your gym friends which is really awesome when we have that type of community and I think that 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 is not talked about very much like the emotional and mental toll it takes on you to like be constantly saying no to things because it is a lot to always be saying no to stuff and I think that that's what's really nice about like off seasons when you can maybe like okay I am gonna stay up till midnight like Mm. I am gonna do some stuff instead of like going to bed at like because for those like four and a half months of prep it was like I was asleep by like 9.30 every single night, which is just crazy for a 17 year old. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's part of that discipline. And it's part of like, well, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to be the best me? Am I doing this so I can stand on top of a podium? Am I doing this so that I can lift the most that my body can possibly lift? There's so many different reasons of like, why? Yeah. But I mean, then obviously, you know, I mean, we could talk about steroids. I love talking about steroids and powerlifting, um, but I want to get your take on it. Like if you, let's say you didn't place first that day and someone else placed first and then you found out that she was on something. Did you, do you think that's uh, like punishable by taking the medal away? What do you, what do you think about that? Well, in the context of it being a drug tested meet I would have been pissed like I would have been mad if someone had placed ahead of me and had been doping and had it been caught I would have I would have felt like I was cheated of something that I worked hard for because I've never taken a steroid in my life and I probably never will um a performance enhancing drug I honestly don't give a fuck if people are doing it non-drug tested I'm like I am so fine with that. It is your body. You do whatever you want to do to your body. Compete in a championship that is not drug tested. If you're going to try and cheat your way in drug tested, I'm not okay with that. Um, I don't think that's fair to any athlete. But if it's not drug tested and it's someone just being like, I want to see what my body is capable of on on steroids, on performance enhancing drugs, um, I don't have any problem with it. I think the real issue is like uh, teenagers, you know, 15, 16 years old. And obviously with the social media, like all that instant gratification, they want the results now. You know, they, mm-hmm. all these weird fitness programs get six pack abs in you know, yeah. four weeks. And like a lot of these teenagers, they're taking all this stuff, probably may, maybe even at a higher dosage than these pro athletes, but they're seeing little results because they don't have that work ethic. They don't have a base. You know, you're trying to build a roof without the base, you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously going to collapse, you know? You have to build your, like people, Mark Bell talked about this. He started, he said he was open about it. He started taking steroids when he was like 25 or something. And before that he was lifting, I want to say like, since he was 10 or something. And that's like 15 years of lifting before he even considered taking anything. And these kids, 
they're lifting for like maybe like six months and they're like, oh man, I'm not making any progress. All right, you know what? I got to hop on the roids, right? Mm-hmm. And then, then obviously they don't have any supervision. They're going to ruin their health and, you know, it's obviously mm-hmm. not good, you know? Yeah, I think that, and you can almost always tell when people are taking something. Usually you can tell by you know, their eyes or by even just like the way the muscles look on their specific body type, like you can kind of tell. Um, I think that there's like lots of men will take just like more testosterone, which is unhealthy in its own way because you still need, you know, your progesterone and different hormones as well. But I think that if, and I don't know, I really hardly know nothing about it because it's not a part of my life. Um, but I think that if you aren't learning the like really hard and fast rule that like getting gains takes a long fucking time. Yeah. It just takes a long time. It takes a lot of hard work and it takes sacrifice and it takes you prioritizing more than just your two hour training session. It takes your hydration. It takes your post-workout meal. It takes your intro workout meal. It takes your sleep. It takes, are you journaling? Are you getting your emotional um, health looked after, like everything. And so I think it is a quick fix for some people that are doing it just for the instant gratification. Is it wrong? I'm not to judge that. I don't, I don't know one way or the other. Um, but I think that almost like how alcohol and other drugs have a, a price or a, an age limit on it. I'm not 100% sure if other ones do, like if steroids have that age limit, but I think that there should be a certain, like you have to be over 18 to start taking it. Yeah, I mean, going back to what you said about the strength thing, but when someone asks me, how do you get strong? Mm-hmm. I tell them straight up, you got to do it for years, man. And, yeah. And they just look at me weird, like, really? And like, I'm like, yeah, yeah you got you to make it a lifestyle, you know? Stop sleeping for three hours a night, you know, switch it to eight, stop drinking every day, stop smoking every day, you know, get, get under barbells, you know, start squatting, start deadlifting, start bench pressing. And you got to make it a lifestyle, you know, you can't, you can't just half-ass it. You know, if you really want to get stronger, you got, you can't half-ass it. You, and you have to do it for years. But like when, when people, when I say that to people, they're just like, no, no, no. But what about, what about that creatine stuff? No, yeah. No, what's, that, what's that magic? Like, it, there has to be something else that you're doing. I'm like, no, I've been doing it for a while. You know, you can't just I always, no magic pill. Yeah. Yeah. There's no magic pill. And I always get asked like, what supplements do you take? I'm like, well, I take BCAAs after I work out. I take like a, mostly it's like a creatine BCA mix. Like when I'm prepping, I'll like, I'll take that. And that's it. Like I have protein powder, which some people think is a supplement. I don't know. I don't really call it a supplement, but I have like protein powder and that is it. Everything else is just the way I eat, the way I sleep. And I do think there is something to be said though. Like the way that we train is not necessarily healthy. Like it's not necessarily, it's not healthy. Like it's just not in like when people are like, oh, like, how do you get this strong? It's like, well, I wouldn't recommend you train five or six days a week for hours on end and, you know, just like go to Cairo all the time and physio and try and get your like body to continue pushing through. Like, I wouldn't recommend that for the vast majority of people. But for when people are like, oh, well, how do you get so strong? It's like, 
get more sleep, eat more food, because most people don't eat enough food, and go to the gym three to four times a week and lift weights. Like yeah. lift weights and everyone's like, well, okay, people all want that quick fix because in society now, we get instant gratification, instant likes on Instagram, instant likes on Facebook, instant plays on our podcasts. And it's wonderful for that. But strength gains aren't like that. And that's why everyone wants to take those steroids. That's why everyone wants to think creatine is going to get them super strong and jacked. It's not. It's like good old fashioned hard work that people have been doing since the beginning of time. Yeah. I mean, think of the word supplement, you know, it's, it's adding to your already healthy lifestyle. So it's going to mm -hmm. enhance it a little bit, but I mean, yeah, when, when you look at the, the pro bodybuilders and they're flexing in the magazines and they're holding their, you know, their supplement, oh, this is what I take. This is, I take BCAs, protein powder, pre-workout. This is what I do to maintain all my lean mass. And, you know, they're pro bodybuilders, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're probably right. You know, I'll, I'll buy all that stuff. And then obviously it's, it's not a very good investment, you know, protein yeah. powder costs a good amount added with pre-workout and BCAs. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the pro bodybuilders, like you're not seeing the four hours they spend in the gym every day. Yeah. to train you don't see the way that they're cutting their weight the way they're carb cycling for three fucking months before they get on the cover of that magazine to hold one little can of fish oils like <laughs> you don't see that work yeah it's it's all about like i mean it's it's for a reason you know they if you're going to be on the front cover of a magazine you can't be you know bloated and you know and like not shredded you know it's the cover of a magazine you got to be like on top shape for that but then it's, it is still kind of irresponsible on their part. Um, Cause some, I mean, a lot of these pro bodybuilders, they are, you know, enhanced, they are on performance enhancing drugs, but them saying like, I got this big because of protein powder. It's like, come on, mm. really? Like can't be doing that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, like, just like what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast of like men, you know, that's a generalization, but men feeling like they have to lift more than women. It's like, well, what do you think they see when they go into a dollar store, a drug store, a gas station? They see these magazines with these huge men fully just like shredded. And they think this is what, this is the physique that a man has. That is like maybe the like 0.5 or 1% of humanity has that physique. So when we're talking like these magazine covers, it's like, well, it is irresponsible for people to just be promoting it's like well this sells like objectifying someone's body that is beautiful sells you know beautiful in the way that we've always seen it and thought of as beautiful but maybe like what happens if magazine covers start putting actual real bodies on with stretch marks and belly fat and, you know, maybe they have muscle definition, but they're also human. They could probably sell the product still to people and be like, oh, this is a normal human. Look, there's Jerry. I'm going to buy the supplement as well. Like, that would be amazing. And that would oh, take away so many body image issues we have. Yeah, especially in powerlifting or any other sport. Uh, a high-performance athlete is not what you typically, typically think. It's not always shredded, you know, 20-inch biceps type mm -hmm. of thing, like, um, obviously as the part, like weight classes, obviously we have all the way up to, up to super heavyweight, you know, Ray Williams, 
I'm not gonna call him fat. I'm like obviously he's 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 got you know fat on him, but like he squatted what like a thousand something, like in sleeves, and you know he's not like completely shredded, but you know he's he's like one of the best in the world. You know, shows mm-hmm. you don't have to be like completely lean to to be a high performance athlete. Same goes with um, like shot putters. Those guys aren't completely shredded, and they're tossing that shot like all like I don't even know like forty like sixty seventy feet yeah. or something. Yeah, and it just yeah, and like I'm a world champion, and I don't have six pack abs. It's yeah. just very like there you go. Your the way your body looks is not a de- direct representation of your worth, and that is what the people that sell those type of supplements want you to believe. They want you to believe if you don't look this way, you aren't lovable, you aren't worthy, you aren't needed in society. So here's supplements that you can take so that you are instantly popular and gorgeous and lean and everything that we deem to be beautiful. So they completely just use it against people, you know, use this, this way that people should in quotation marks look, um, whereas it's not true because like I've been in sports for six plus years and I don't have six pack abs but I can probably lift more than most 18 year old boys and I have a gold medal. So. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, look at that. It's, it does, it does, it's just different. You know, people are just different. People just have to accept yep. it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Um, so what are your goals for the future in this sport? Ooh, I want a world record. I want to have a world record. That is the goal. And uh, it's just going to take some more work. And um, I want to continue competing in the sport. I don't necessarily know where it's going to take me. I don't know if I'm going to be in it forever. Um, but I have a little brother, Thor. And he his is... His name is Thor? His name is Thor. How oh cool is God. that? Oh, my God. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's so cool. And so um, him and my sister, they're twins. Um, Bella and Thor and Thor has just started powerlifting as well Oh, okay yeah and so he is just he's oh, I've been working on his technique with him for the past six months and it like his bench arch is beautiful now like he is just lifting so perfectly and he's on a training cycle now and he's ready to compete and so I don't know where my I want to have a world record. I would love to compete at worlds again and see my friends. And that's definitely in the cards, but to have my little brother, he's 13 up and coming in the sport. I'll probably be around for a little bit longer just so I can compete with him. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Another Naibo. Yeah. Maybe, maybe produce another junior world champion, you know? Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Anyway. um, Do you have any numbers in mind? specifically or like what is the world record right now um well i would love to go for the bench world record which is i believe 176 pounds and uh i'm getting up there so i'm not too far off of that and then the deadlift as well um i can't remember what that is it's like over 340 i believe and those are two numbers that i want but like in terms of world records, but just in terms of like my own lifting, I would love to bench 180. Like that's the goal. 180 would be amazing. 
I mean, why not 200, but for right now, 180 is the goal. And then um, in deadlifting, like I would love to pull 405. All right. This is our last question of the podcast. Uh, during this whole journey, uh, who would you say is your number one supporter? My family, honestly, my mom, uh, my brother, my sister, my dad, and my gym. I work at uh, Wild and United Athletics, and they have been incredible supporters for me. All right. Uh, that was Zara Naibo, everyone. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've loved this conversation, and thanks for letting me just talk and talk. <laughs> All right. Uh, that was episode 42, guys. Peace out.